we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Enlightenment is not of time. It is not a process. It is not something that you gradually come to. Hello and welcome to episode 98 of Urgency of Change. Each weekly episode in this season of the Krishnamurti podcast is based on a major theme of the philosopher's talks, such as freedom, self-knowledge, beauty, intelligence and meditation. Extracts from our archives have been carefully selected to represent Krishnamurti's different approaches to each of these universal and timelessly relevant themes. This week's theme is Enlightenment. Upcoming themes are Security and Silence. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. For more information about our activities, such as our volunteer program at Brookwood Park in the UK, we are online at kfoundation.org. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. This week's episode on Enlightenment has five sections. The first extract is from the second question and answer meeting in Ohio, 1982 titled, What is Enlightenment? I wonder if most of us realise that the world is never the thing. My wife is never the, the woman or my husband. The world, you know, if you go into this problem of world, do you want to go into that? If we realise the world is not the actual thing, the description is not the actuality, the symbol is never the fact, the ideal is never what is, And if you observe, if you are aware, our brain is caught in words, network of words. I am a Catholic, I am a Protestant, I am an American, you follow? They are all symbols, they are all words, pictures, and the brain is caught in that. That is, thinking is a word. Without a word is there a thinking? I don't want to go into all this. 
very interesting for you to find out all these things, because then your mind becomes extraordinarily alert, naturally, to be free of the world, but you choose the word accurately. So the word is not the thing, and the symbol is never the actual. Fear, the word fear, is not the reaction, right? But the word of word fear shapes our action, not the feeling of fear. But the word, either the word creates the fear, or the word shapes the fear, and is there, is it possible to look at that reaction without the word? This requires you for. Can we truly be enlightened through words? Good God! I wonder why we use the word enlightenment. Obviously, We'll go into the word enlightenment. It's very interesting. We'll go into the, what we mean by enlightenment, which all the gurus talk about. And you know, it is a word that's a, to some people that's a sacred word to be enlightened, not through books, not through knowledge. Not through time. You understand? It isn't a thing that you gradually work up to by practice, by meditation, by doing all kinds of tricks. So, obviously, the word love is not love. And Similarly, what is enlightenment? Who is enlightened? Enlightened of what? Enlightened about what? You follow. Enlightened. I don't know. Funny about it. Surely, a mind that is enlightened is free from all conditioning. A Hindu, with his superstitions, with his all the business of his religious conditioning, as well as psychological and environmental conditioning, 
has made him call himself a Hindu. How can such a mind, which has been so conditioned, be ever be free? Is enlightenment complete freedom from conditioning? Can a Catholic I hope there's nobody I'm not reading on anybody's toes. Can a Catholic, with all his superstition, with his saviours, with his rituals and hierarchical authority and so on, can he ever be enlightened? With his condition, baptism, you know, the whole intellectual cunning business that holds the people to a pattern. You answer to yourself. Can a mind, can a human being enlightened when he's frightened? When he's seeking power, position, accumulating money in the name of enlightenment? Which is what some of the gurus are doing. Vast sums of money. And they talk about enlightenment. So the world is not the thing. And the question asks Have the symbols done damage to the human psyche? Obviously. If I am a Hindu, personally I am not, if I am a Hindu, I was born in India, but that is no meaning. If I am a Hindu, they have got innumerable symbols, like the Christian world. Their goddesses, their gods, tribal gods and smaller gods and higher gods, I've been conditioned in that. And how can I? Those conditioning, those symbols have damaged the the clarity of a mind, of the psyche. Right? That's so obvious. Symbols obviously have done damage, because that prevents a human being going to, to the directly true, to the fact, not worship the symbols. I'm afraid the question also, are we being seduced by the illusion of enlightenment? Obviously. That sounds lovely, but enlightenment is not of time, is not a process, is not something to gradually come to. To be free from all condition, which also implies 
to be a light to oneself completely. And not depend on any person, any idea, any teacher of light to oneself so holy. From that light there is action. The second extract is from the first question and answer meeting at Brockwood Park in 1980, titled The One Who Says I Know Does Not Know. Is it always wrong or misguided to work with an enlightened man and be a sannyasi? Sannyasin. Sannyasin is a Sanskrit word. It's an old, very old tradition in India where the monks who take this vow, they really renounce the world. Outwardly. They only stay in one place, in stay one night in each place. They beg. They are celibate. They have nothing except what they they, they have one or two claws. You understand? The modern sannyasin is none of those. You understand what I'm saying? He's been called a sannyasin by somebody in India, and they think it's marvellous. Put on a robe, yellow robe or pink robe or whatever the robe put on, and beads, and they think they are sannyasis. It's not. They are not. It's a misguided, un- not ethical to call them sannyasis. And to work, to be all, is it always wrong and misguided to work with an enlightened man? How do you know who is enlightened? How do you know? Would you kindly ask? How do you know? By his looks, because people call him enlightened, or he himself calls himself that he is enlightened. If he calls himself enlightened, then you may be assured that he is not enlightened. <laughs> there are a great many gurus who are doing this, playing this game, calling themselves lords. Great, giving themselves titles and doing a lot of mischief. And before you find out who is enlightened, why don't you find out what is enlightenment? You understand my question? I may consider you as enlightened. What is my criterion? which makes me judge that you are enlightened. 
Is it because of some tricks? Great many people come round me, put garlands round me, or enlightenment is something that cannot possibly be talked about. The man who says, I know, does not know. Right? Please be serious about this, because there are lots of people are doing this in India, mostly Americans and Europeans, who gathered there and, you know, go on the circus. So, shouldn't we doubt, question these people? And if you question them, will they answer you? Or they have put themselves up on a platform, you know, on a level, which forbids you to question them. So, to work with a enlightened human being is totally unimportant. What is important is to work upon oneself, not with somebody. Right? We are seeking this together. I am not telling, please, I am not advising, counselling, etc., etc., but together to find out what is the truth about all these matters. Because truth is something that has no path, right? There is no way to it. Nobody can point it out to you. It is not something fixed and you can go towards it in a, by a system, by a meditation, by a method and so on. A living thing can, has no path to it. And if one is seriously inclined to find out what is truth, one has to lay the foundation first to have great sense, great sensitivity, to be without fear completely, to have great integrity, and to be free from all knowledge psychological knowledge, and therefore the ending of suffering. From that arises love and compassion. If that is not there, as the well-laid, deep foundation, 
One is merely caught in illusions, illusions that man has fabricated, thought has invented, visions that have the projection of one's own conditioning. So all that has to be put aside to find that which is beyond time. The third extract is from the fourth question and answer meeting in Sanin, 1970, titled Is Enlightenment a Matter of Time? What is enlightenment? Again, it's one of those words that have come from India to be enlightened. To be enlightened about what? I want, please let's be rational, not irrational. What, when I say enlightened, I'm enlightened about what? Say, for instance, I'm enlightened about my relationship with another. That is, I've understood my relationship with another is based on my image about the other, however intimate. That image has been put together through many years by constant reaction, indifference, comfort, uh, you follow? The nagging, the all that, between man, woman, or all that. So the image is built, and she has built an image about you. So the relationship is between the two images, which is obvious, and that's what we call a relationship. Now. I, I perceive the truth of it, and I say, I'm enlightened about it. I'm enlightened about violence. I, I see clearly, without any distortion, with clear eyes, the whole movement of violence. I see how Sorrow arises, and the ending of sorrow is enla- I'm enlightened about it. But we don't mean that, right? We mean something else. I am enlightened. I will tell you about it. Come to me, and you, rather gullible and say, yes, tell me all about it. So, I don't want to go into all this, I don't know if you're interested in it. See, we must understand, if you're really going to what is enlightenment, illumination, the the voice of truth, 
not my voice, voice of truth. We must go very carefully into the question of time. The so-called enlightened people have said, we have come to it through time, gradually. Life after life, if we believe in reincarnation, I have come to the point when I am enlightened about everything. Right? Which is, it is a gradual process of experience, knowledge, a constant movement from the past to the present and the future, this cycle. Right? So, is, if you are interested in it, is enlightenment the ultimate thing, a matter of time? Is it a gradual process, which means the process of time, the process of evolution, the gradual becoming that? You follow? So one must understand the nature of time. Not the chronological time, but the psychological structure which has accepted time. You are following this? That is, I have hoped to ultimately get there. The desire, which is part of hope, ultimately says, I'll get there. And the so-called enlightened people, and they are not, because the moment they say, I am enlightened, they are not. They are vanity. It's like a man saying, I'm really humble. When a man says that, you know what it is. Humility is not the opposite of vanity. When the vanity ends, the other is. Those people who have said, we are enlightened, say, you must go through step by step, practice this, do that, do, don't do this, become my pupil, I'll tell you what to do, I'll give you an Indian name or a Christian new name and so on, so on, so on, and you, kind of irrational human being, accept this nonsense. So we are saying, ask, 
is that supreme enlightenment. We understand what meaning of that word. A mind that has has no conflict, no sense of striving, going, moving, achieving. So we must understand this question of time, which is the constant becoming or not becoming, which is the same, right? The becoming and the not becoming. And when that becoming is rooted in the mind, that becoming conditions all your thinking, all your activity, then it is a matter of using time as a means of becoming, achieving. But is is there such thing as becoming? You understand? I am violent. I will be non-violent. That is becoming an idea. Right? I am violent and the Non-violence. I project the idea of not being violent because so I create duality, violent and non-violent, and so there is conflict. Then I say I must control myself. I must suppress. I must analyze. I must go to psychologists. I must psychotherapists, and so on, so on, so on. Without creating the opposite, the non-violence, the fact is violence, not non-violence. Right? The fact, the non-violence is non-fact. If you get that once, the truth of that, that is, I am violent, the concept of non-violence brings about this conflict between the opposites. The non-fact has no value, only the fact, which is unviolent. Now, to observe the whole movement of violence, anger, jealousy, hate, competition, imitation, conformity, and so on and so on. To observe it without any direction, without any motive, right? Then if you do that, then there is the end of violence, which is an immediate perception and action. I wonder if you understand this. Hmm? A capital. 
So one can see that illumination, this sense of ultimate reality and so on, is not of time. This goes against the whole psychological religious world. The Christians with their souls, with their saviors, with their ultimate, etc., etc. I say, we say, perception is action, not perception, great interval, and then action. In that interval, you create the idea. Right? Are you following all this? So we are pointing out something which is can the mind, the brain, you know, the whole human nervous structure as well as psychological structure be free of this burden of million years of time? So that you see something clearly and action is invariably immediate. That action will be rational, not irrational. That action will be can be explained logically, sanely. So we are saying that ultimate thing which is true is not to be achieved through time. It can never be achieved. It is there or is not there. The fourth extract is from the third question and answer meeting in Sanin, 1981, titled Is Enlightenment an Experience? Some of us, including myself, have had experiences of seeing light, a feeling of oneness with the universe, energy, the awakening of Kundalini, inward clarity. These last sometimes for moments or hours. Are these not steps towards illu illumination? <laughs> Can we be a little bit funny? I wonder if, it is, if one's liver is all right. When you see lights, flashes and all that. Just a minute, just a minute. You know, some people do have seriously certain experience, certain perceptions. I wouldn't call experiences. Now, let's examine what experiences are. 
What is an experience? Either it is sensory experience, sensual experiences, or psychological experiences, right? Or purely physical experience like pain, toothache, and so on. We are talking here about psychological experiences. Now, what do you mean by experience? An incident, a happening, which you must recognize, right? Name it, and therefore the experience is different from you who are experiencing. I don't know if you follow all this. Therefore, it means if the experiencer is experiencing something, he must know what it is. He must be able to recognize it, otherwise, it's not an experience. Right? I don't have to follow this. If I can't recognize the experience, it doesn't exist. I recognize it because it, I've already had the symptoms, the knowledge of it. Therefore, I say that is an experience. I have seen uh, in my experience as a Hindu, if I'm a Hindu, uh, some deity. Because my brain is conditioned to that. If you are a Christian, you have an experience of Jesus, whatever it is. So, as long as there is an experience separate from the experience, experience, the, what you call the new experience, is really the old experience manifesting itself in a different form and you recognize it. And you call that experience. Now, a mind that is clear means absolutely without the shadow of self. It has no experience. Right? Because there is nothing to experience. Illumination is not a state of experience which is so absurd. Because, so, truth or that ultimate energy, you can't experience. You can't say, well, I have reached that. That statement, I have reached that, is full of vanity and arrogance. A mind, a brain that, or a mind that is free from arrogance, which is utterly, in its simplicity, humble, in which there is no self whatsoever, then that, that eternity might be there. But if you say, I'm experiencing that, then you're it's like experiencing anger. It's as good as anger. But don't let's call it illumination. And 
there is this new brought from again from India, I wish they would keep it to themselves, <laughs> brought from India about the Kundalini. Probably many of you have heard this. If you haven't, forget it. <laughs> but if you have, those people who write about it, forgive, uh, please, I'm telling, uh, saying this most respectfully, those who talk about don't know, do not know anything about it. You might say, what right have you to say to that? Why do you say they do not know? Which means you know. Right? Naturally, that's the ob obvious question. I don't want, personally, I don't want to enter into this question. Because anybody who says, I know what it means, do not know. It's much too complex. The whole idea is this. Energy, right, when it is misused, destroys the, an energy that can comprehend the total source of energy. You understand? If I misuse my energy in various forms, arrogance, selfish action, competition, aggression, uh, soaked in sorrow and talking endlessly about it, or constantly being occupied with something or other, I'm wasting energy, obviously, like a motor running all the time in the garage. It'll soon wear itself out. But the idea of all this is that this energy, when it's not wasted, in any direction, that very human energy, which is not the energy created by conflict or the energy created by thought, that energy is or apprehends the total energy of the universe. That is the idea about Kundalini and all that kind of stuff. So the questioner says, asks, is this a process of illumination? You can't, if one may point out again most respectfully, you cannot prepare for illumination. It is like cooking a nice dish. You take time, peel the potatoes, <laughs> but and illumination is not something that you come gradually process. It it is there if you are, if you are utterly, totally unselfish. 
and have a brain that is utterly without a shadow of conflict. The final extract in this episode is from Krishnamurti's sixth talk in Sanan, 1979, titled A Light to Oneself. Seeing all this, the various forms of physical torture in order to find enlightenment, various forms of rituals, robes, repetitions, and these have not in any way changed human being and his relationship so that there is a new good society. We mean by that word good, not the word, not the nursery meaning, be a good boy. It is not a respectable word. It's not a word that can, you say, well, that's old-fashioned, throw it out. But that word, good, has an excellent meaning, significance. And man, through all these endeavors, has never brought about a good society where people live happily, without conflict, without violence, the great sense of responsibility, with care, with affection. That's what we mean by that word good. Man has not been able to achieve it. One of the main reasons for this ugliness in the world is that all of us, most human beings, probably 99% are fragmented, broken up. And when one realizes this, that one is in a state of fragmentation, One is cognizant of it, aware without any choice. It is so. It is not that the speaker is imposing this on you, but it is a fact. And Can that mind which is fragmented, can that heart which is also caught up in various romantic, emotional, sentimental, and illusory nonsense, can that mind ever come to this to find a solution? that is everlasting. You understand my question? 
right? How shall we find it? Is it dependent on another? Follow this carefully. Can another, however much he may think he is Lord and this and the other, can another lead you or help you to that? Please ask this question. Can a group, can a community, can a certain series of ideas, conclusions help you to that? Or one must be a light to oneself. Not the light which has been kindled at the other at the other's lamp or candle or fire. You follow this? Please give your heart to understand all this. Which means not only your heart, your mind, your brain. Freedom is not acting according to whatever you like. That's too childish, which is what's happening in the world, because everybody is doing what they want. Any prevention, any restraint on that is considered lack of fulfilment. Therefore, permissiveness in every direction, religiously, socially, morally, is encouraged. And that this Permissiveness, this is doing exactly what one likes, or saying, it appeals to me, I feel good in that, denies freedom. Not only freedom, we're talking psychologically, not freedom from law, from the policeman, from taxes. But freedom from the dependence on another, psychologically, because the other, when he instructs you from his knowledge, from his position, from his status, that knowledge is still part of ignorance. 
because ignorance, knowledge can never be complete. Therefore, it's always part of ignorance. Right? I wonder if you see that. Of course. Because knowledge can never be whole, can never be complete totally. And therefore, in it there is ignorance. When you realize that, when you see that, that you cannot possibly, in matters of the spirit, in the matters of psyche, in the matters of deep religious inquiry, there is no dependence completely on anybody. That is freedom, with its responsibility to be a light to oneself. Are you following all this? Are we like that? Because we are going together to find out, please find out for ourselves, in a, not at the behest of another, not with this stimulated by another, not encouraged by another, but find out for oneself totally, completely, which is not egotistic, so that one can be a light to oneself. Right? Are we together in this? Not agreeing, not being cornered in a tent and therefore you are forced to agree, or stimulated by the speaker with his intensity, If you are, then it's just a a flame that can be blown out by the next wind. So, having said all this, is your mind your mind being your brain, your senses, the quality of thinking, knowing its limitation, being prepared not prepare, I won't use that word, prepare, preparation implies time. That's one of our pet theories, that we need time to be a light to oneself.
our minds, after listening to all this, even though you are listening for the first time, and it's only you are actually listening for the first time, if you are really paying attention. You know, it's like looking at the sunset or sunrise, the beauty and the extraordinary light is never the same. You can see day after day, day after day, month after month. You never say, well, I've seen it once, it's enough. If we have paid attention to what is being said and what is being said, it is not a repetition. Beauty is never that which is constantly happening. It is always new, the marvellous classical painting, or if you listen to music, it is new all the time. But our minds get so dulled by words, and by the repetition of words you say, I'm bored with it, you have said all that before. But if you listen, there's always something new, like the sunset like the evening star, like the waters of a river. Abbiamo tempo. We have still time. We are asking you together if our minds and if our hearts, our whole being, senses, the, the quality of the senses which are not divided, you understand? Which are together, and a, a thought and thinking, knowing that it's limited, fragmented, always of time, and a brain that is the result of millennia, condition, 
full of memories, knowledge, experience, like a computer. But of course it's not much more capable than a computer. The brain has invented the computer. But the brain also is active in its, as a computer. So we are saying, oh, the whole of this can with this quality of mind inquire or just be in a state of observation. Just to observe, without the observer, because the observer is the past, the observer is the result of all the experience, senses, responses, reactions, memories. He is that. To observe without the observer. So there is only pure observation, not distorted, not broken up, not the result of choice, like, you know, just to observe. Then, in that state of pure observation, is there one act, one insight, one total perception of something that will resolve all these problems? You've understood? There is a careful. The speaker says there is. You know nothing about it, naturally. If you are aware of it, you wouldn't be here. The speaker says, and please listen carefully. It is not authority. It is not the result of experience. It is not the result of accumulated knowledge. It's none of that. The speaker says there is a solution a way out of all this terrible confusion and misery and fear, torture and terror. Right? So don't accept it. Where are you at the end of this? 
Please, I'm asking this, the speaker asking this very seriously. We've talked for 20 minutes, an hour, 40 minutes, 50 minutes. At the end of it, what is the quality of your mind that is capable, please listen, capable of receiving something? You say yes. And the yes is your own discovery, your own light. Your own total attention, which you have given to find this out. Let me go into it carefully. One must have intelligence. Intelligence is different from knowledge. In knowledge, as we pointed out earlier, there is ignorance. Right? Whereas intelligence is free from ignorance and therefore free from illusion. And it's not the result of accumulated knowledge, right? Intelligence. The quality of intelligence comes when there is perception and action. That is perception and no interval between perception and action. You see, act. I wonder if you understand this. Am I, are you following? You see danger, right? Like a precipice. And the very Perception is action. You move away instantly. That is intelligence. That's part of that intelligence. You see a dangerous snake, an instant action. Right? That's fairly simple. Because there is a physical response. And the physical Reaction is self-preservation, which is intelligence, is the unintelligent that sees the danger and pursues it. Intelligence is the perception of that which is psychologically dangerous and acting instantly. That is intelligence. Psychologically, it is dangerous to depend on another. Right? 
for affection, for love, for comfort, for enlightenment, for uh, psycho... That is dangerous, because you are not free. And therefore the very perception of that danger and the acting of it is intelligence. Right? One must have that quality of intelligence. That intelligence is denied when you are conforming to a pattern laid down by the gurus, by doesn't matter who, some idiotic person. Or conforming, imitating, following. Therefore there is the ideal and the action which is different from the ideal or conforming or adjusting to the ideal, which is lack of perception, right? Lack of seeing the actual movement of this. And when there is perception, the ideal, the imitation, the conformity, following totally ends. And that is intelligence. You are following that? I am not defining intelligence. It is so. It's only the neurotic that sees the danger and continues. Neurotic, the stupid, the thoughtless, the man who just follows his own particular idiosyncrasy pleasures and gives it a rational meaning and so on. So, one must have this quality of intelligence. Then, with that intelligence, is there a state of a movement, whatever you like to call it, which can solve all these innumerable conflicts and miseries. You are following all this? The mind that is totally intelligent. And that mind is inquiring. With that intelligence, we are inquiring to find out if there is, or there may not be, if there is an act, a state, a quality that resolves every issue of our life.
Surely, I'm hesitant because one has to use words that have been spoiled. One has to use a word that has lost all its meaning. A word like love has become sexual, sensory, sensuous. With it goes pleasure, fear, anxiety, dependence, and all the ugliness that takes place in the so-called relationship. So one uses that word very, very hesitantly. It is in no way related to jealousy, fear, or sorrow. It is total responsibility, not only to your immediate person, but to the total responsibility to the whole of life. Not only your life, but the other life. I say that love is the total answer. Without that, do what you will, stand on your head for the rest of your life, sit in a position lotus or whatever you do, so with that intelligence goes the other. You understand? Without intelligence you cannot have the other. They are inseparable. That's why compassion has this quality of great intelligence, and that is the solution which will solve all our problems.